Hey true crime besties, welcome back to an all new episode of Serialistly. Hey everybody, welcome back to Serialistly with me, Annie Elise. I hope you are having a great day today. I hope you are ready to hear some true crime cases and updates and we really have a banger of an episode coming up because we have got a lot to talk about. Now before we jump in, I do want to just kind of address something in case you were wondering, the cover art is different. And let me just kind of explain the thought process here. So we started the podcast almost a year ago. Up until now, I've always had my photo on the podcast because my thought process was, okay, people may know me from YouTube, but if they're in their podcast app and they don't know I have a podcast, but then they see my face, maybe they'll be like, oh, Annie has a podcast. Let me listen. But now that we've almost had the podcast for about a year and we've been doing this together, I feel that everybody on YouTube who follows me knows that I have a podcast. So I was like, okay, why don't we just update the cover art a little bit, maybe see if it can reach a bigger audience if we take the picture off. I don't love seeing my face, I'll be honest. I don't love seeing it every day. So we decided to try something new. So I love hearing your feedback all the time, so let me know what your thoughts are on the new cover art. Hopefully you guys like it, but even if you don't, please, please be kind. (laughs) Um, So like I said, we have got a lot to talk about today, guys. Sorry, I'm just like getting comfy here. I had to adjust my pillow on my back while we're talking. There's a lot of case, and I'm going to give you the rundown. We're going to be talking about a few things, and we also are going to be talking about a major update in the Savannah Soto case, and then we're going to go into a case that has seemingly broken the internet once again, and that is the case of Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Now, don't worry. I'm not going to give you a full deep dive of the Gypsy Rose case. You probably already know it, and you've heard it. You read the movie. You watched the movie. You read the book. You saw the story. You heard the podcast, all the things, but what is interesting is that It seems almost like she's been on some kind of media tour since her release from prison and some very interesting factoids have come out since then, whether it's through the docuseries, whether it's through being a guest on these podcasts, there's just some very interesting information and some things that we have never heard about Gypsy. And so I really want to talk about those. But let me start with this case coming out of Florida. A 31-year-old from Florida named Thomas Ebersole was just arrested after he allegedly drove cross-country to pick up and marry a 16-year-old girl. He met her on World of Warcraft. Yes, but then he got caught after she logged into her World of Warcraft account on his computer at his house. So he allegedly apparently had plans to make this 16-year-old child his wife. The girl was from Ohio and was filed as a missing child by her parents, and then once she logged into her World of Warcraft account, authorities were able to find her location. Apparently, when the police came to the guy's house, he initially denied knowing anybody by the victim's name, but ultimately, he hung his head in shame, like, ring the bell, shame, 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 and then he quickly excused himself and then returned with the girl. Now, the girl, for her part, was described as frustrated but cooperative, and she told the investigators that she had requested that the defendant do this. Thomas said that he and the girl were just friends, but then later admitted to having a romantic relationship that got physical, including, quote, his words, not mine, passionate kissing that left him with several hickeys on his neck. 
gross. However, he denies that he ever had sex or engaged in, quote, unlawful touching with the 16-year-old girl. But 31 and 16, that is disgusting and you are a absolute predator. According to court documents, after being read his Miranda rights, Thomas admitted to picking up the girl from Ohio and then admitted to having a romantic relationship with her and that he actually planned to hide this victim inside his house and marry her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He also showed investigators several messages between himself and the girl on Discord. For those of you who aren't familiar, honestly, I'm not that familiar either with Discord. I'm on it. We have a private group chat on Discord, some 10 to lifers and, you know, podcast listeners where we talk true crime all the time. If you want to join it, it's in the show notes. What I use it for is basically like a private group chat, but I think that there's capabilities such as streaming, maybe video gaming, video chatting, all different things. I'm a boomer, millennial, I don't know exactly how to use it, but apparently it's like a third-party app, kind of like a WhatsApp, I'm guessing. In any event, in these Discord messages, he sent the girl a picture of his car with a promise that he would give her the car, writing, all yours, darling. The documents also say that he and the 16-year-old both knew what they were doing was wrong, and that he texted the girl while he was driving to pick her up in Ohio and said that he was considering what he called contingencies, whatever the hell that means, but then said, I don't want to text it, because he was, and this is again a direct quote, paranoid about the text chain. Well, sir, not only are you disgusting and cringeworthy creep, but you also are a freaking moron, but I do want to say this too. I feel for the girl because being a 16-year-old girl once, I know how easy it is to be impressed with an older man. You meet them, you, you know, they're love bombing you, which in my opinion, he was love bombing her, especially with the promise of the car. And you feel like this might be my fairy tale. Like he's the one for me. He's my soulmate. He's my Prince Charming. But because of the age difference, we can't tell anyone. And there's almost something sick and romantic about wanting to be together in secret and like go against the grain. And I don't think at 16 you're full, I know you're not fully formed and mentally at 16. And so I do feel for her. I think it's really sad. And I also think that's why she got frustrated with the police when they arrived. Because in her mind, she probably thought she was in love and that this was the guy for her, not realizing that this was a sick and deranged predator. And for parents who are listening, not that you need to hear this, I'm sure you already know this, but... Please be extra cautious and careful with what your children are doing online. Not only with World of Warcraft, but like Roblox, all of those games, it's honestly a feeding ground for predators. It is their playground, truly. So even if it seems innocent that they're just going on an hour or so at night and they're playing with their friends, you really never know who they are talking to on the other side of the computer. And it can end up in a really scary situation. I'm thankful and grateful that this girl was found and that she appears to be unharmed, although I'm sure that there's some psychological stuff that will need to be unpacked, but I'm just glad that it didn't end dangerously, which we have seen happen in so many cases. Now I want to move on to Las Vegas. So last week, a video clip went viral, viral, viral on the internet. You've probably seen it, but it was of a man in Las Vegas who attacked a judge who was literally in the middle of sentencing him for his crimes. Now, if you haven't seen this video, I will link it in the show notes, but it is absolutely wild, guys. I mean, 
this guy, it's not funny at all, the circumstances. But what I will say is TikTok really did its thing because now people are recreating this video. They're spoofing this video and it it's everywhere you look. So I'm sure you've seen it by now and you know what I'm talking about. But let me explain to you how we got there. So we've covered a lot of trials on this podcast, obviously, as well as over on my YouTube channel, 10 to Life. And it just never seems to fail. Once I think I've seen the most insane things in court, well then some new asshole comes along. Hold my beer. Something else happens once again that just shocks me and sets the bar even lower. And truly, this is one of the most wild things that I have ever seen happen in court. But anyways, as the judge, Judge Holthus, a female, is sentencing this defendant, she begins to say, Oh, well now you're about to get a taste of your own medicine. And the defendant, who was actually being sentenced at the time after pleading guilty to an attempted battery charge, and he wasn't restrained in any type of way, he leaps over the judge's bench. I'm like, I'm talking, he leaps over the bench so high, he clears the entire bench by probably at least 12 inches. He gets a running start from where he's standing with his attorney or the public defender or whoever it is, and just starts charging at the bench and then like it yeets himself over it, clearing it and just taking this judge out. It was almost like he was an Olympic athlete and truly he missed his calling if he never did anything athletic because this was very impressive in terms of a skill, not what he did and not the action, but the skill that it took to do that. I've never seen anything like it. I don't even think Bruce Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner, Bruce Jenner from the Olympics did like the pole vault. I don't know if that's what he did, but like, I don't even think I've seen anybody pole vault that high over. Or was it shot put? No, it's pole vault. But you get what I'm saying. I mean, this was pretty unbelievable. Now on the video, you can't really see what happens after the judge hits her head on the bench, but you can see her court clerk and a few others try to get him off of her. They're punching him. The judge is screaming. It was chaos and just insanity. And it was all caught on video, which one of the most shocking parts of the video was that there are a ton of people in the courtroom who are just standing there as the judge is literally screaming for help. There are the two people who were trying to restrain the defendant, but other than that, everybody was just standing like a bystander, watching it all go down. So after they finally restrained him, he apparently said, judge has it out for me. Judge is evil. I'm sorry you guys had to see that. So this week, the same defendant was back in court to finish being sentenced, and once again by the same judge, which I can't even imagine how she had to like look at this guy again. However, this time he had what looked to be almost like a beekeeper's mask and hat all over it with like little holes so he could see, and almost these like orange puffy gloves to keep his hands restrained. He also had handcuffs and ankle cuffs, so I mean like homeboy wasn't going anywhere. And the judge sentenced him to 19 months in prison. Well, now, in addition to that time in prison, he is also facing attempted murder charges for attacking the judge because he did say that that was his motive. According to those documents, there was blood all over the judge's desk. Once he jumped over the bench, he slammed the judge's head against the wall. He punched her in the head and then he pulled hair out of her head. Then the judge hid under her desk, balled up, covering her face. I mean, so scary. I cannot imagine what must have been going through her head as she sees this lunatic just charging her and then leaping over and attacking her. One of the court marshals had to get 25 stitches for a gash on his face, and he also had a dislocated shoulder. So like this guy did some serious damage. And then the law clerk had slashes on his hands as well. 
Apparently, after the incident, the defendant told the corrections officer that he, quote, had a bad day and tried to kill her. Reports have also come out that he has suffered from mental health issues, including schizophrenia. Just very, very scary. Now, I want to move over into the Savannah Soto case because a third arrest was made on Wednesday in the murder of Savannah Soto, her boyfriend Matthew, and their unborn child, Fabian. If you haven't been following that case, I can link the previous podcast episodes of everything that has happened in the show notes below because we have been covering it in real time every time there's an update, so that's in the show notes. But where we last left off, Christopher Preciado and Ramon Preciado, father and son, were arrested in connection with the murders of Savannah, her unborn full-term baby Fabian, and her boyfriend Matthew. Christopher lived with his mom and father, and now the mom has been arrested. They did a full-on perp walk with her on Wednesday when they announced her arrest, and let me just say she was looking a little rough, a little tore up, a little bit of a jump scare. She was wearing her Ozzy Osbourne shirts and pajama pants and definitely has probably seen better days. But we got the arrest affidavit, and according to the arrest affidavit, on January 4th, police went to speak with her, and her name is Murda Romanos. Murda said that on the night of the murders, she was at home with Ramon and Christopher. Murda could not recall the events of the night and said that she thought that she was sleeping. During the search of the house, her bedroom door was locked, and detectives obviously wanted her to unlock the door so they could search it, so she did, and then she said that she kept the room locked and was the only person to have the key to the room. Now, as a side note, in the documents, it says that it's her room, so I'm not sure if that's the bedroom that she shares with Ramon or if it's something totally separate. I have no idea. But in any event, when detectives searched her room, they found a gun hidden inside of the room, which was later forensically matching to the shell casing that was found in Matthew's car. During Murda's interview, she was questioned about the gun, and she claimed it was hers and that it was given to her by a family member. On January 5th, police told her that the gun was a match to the murder weapon, and now she has been arrested and charged with concealing a firearm in an attempt to impair its availability as evidence during an investigation. So a lot of people have been thinking that a third arrest was on the horizon. And there has also been some speculation that there might have been a second person in the truck with Ramon. And some people believe that on the surveillance video released, it showed this alleged second person throwing a towel or handing a towel to Ramon, which then allegedly was used to help wipe away evidence on the car and, you know, conceal evidence. Now, honestly, the video quality is so terrible that I don't really know what it shows, and I can't say with 100% certainty, but that's what a lot of people think. So far, since her charges are only limited to the murder weapon, I'm not sure if detectives have completely ruled out that she wasn't in the truck or what will come from that, if anything, but I will definitely keep you updated as soon as we know more on that. But um, for now, we know that a third person has been arrested. To what degree, who knows? We know that additional charges came for both Ramon and his son Christopher after the fact. So maybe there will also be additional charges for murder. Who knows? Now I want to move on to Gypsy Rose. Gypsy Rose, Gypsy Rose. So if you keep up with the true crime news and true crime universe, there's a 99% chance that you've seen things about Gypsy Rose and about her prison release. After serving eight of her 10-year sentence for her role in her mom, Dee Dee's murder, Gypsy was released on parole. Now, typically, that specific prison releases people around 8 a.m., but due to the absolute media frenzy that was surrounding her release, they ended up releasing her in secret around 3.30 a.m. 
Her husband, Ryan Anderson, who she married in July of 2022, was there to pick her up, and then after getting into the car, they headed to a nearby hotel for the rest of the night. But by the next morning, social media had gone completely wild. She gained more than 6 million followers on Instagram and 9 million followers on TikTok, and it seemed like she was the most talked-about woman on the internet. And everybody wanted to know what she was doing in her first hours and days post-release. Now, what I will say is we haven't seen a frenzy like this with a prisoner in a very long time. Honestly, if ever with their release. Not, there isn't one that even comes to mind, really. Maybe Elizabeth Smart. I don't know. Or not, not Elizabeth Smart. Uh, who am I thinking of? Not Elizabeth Smart. Um, Amanda Knox. Wow, way off, Annie. But um, I don't know why Elizabeth Smart came to mind. But I will say this, it's my opinion that the reason that the media has gone so absolutely crazy with this release and why there is such a craze on TikTok and Instagram and why she's amassed, you know, millions and millions of followers is the doing of Gen Z. And that's not to blame Gen Z. I love Gen Z. It's, I'm just saying that's what I think it is originating from. And I think that there's just a heightened level of interest in Gypsy with Gen Z than other people. I think there's a level of interest with other people, don't get me wrong. But I think Gen Z really does and does take it and kind of run with it. And the reason I say that is we've also kind of seen that with the Menendez brothers. Gen Z has taken it to kind of reintroduce their case to the world, make it viral again, advocate for their innocent, innocence um, and all of these things. And I think that's kind of what they're doing with Gypsy Rose too. It's almost as though because they didn't live through the case or the trial that a lot of us millennials did live through, it's like then when they catch wind of it coming back and it becomes a current event again, they take flight with it. I don't know what it is. And again, that's not a bad thing at all. I'm just saying, I think that's kind of what's responsible for this like insane growth on social media and how absolutely bananas everything Gypsy Rose has really become. So in her first Instagram post, a selfie with the simple caption of first selfie of freedom also went absolutely viral as did photos of her leaving her hotel with her box of Dr. Pepper, photos of her shoe shopping, photos of her at McDonald's, and then photos with her, quote, fans at Burger King. Because yes, Gypsy Rose has quite a few fans. Now, prior to her release, a new docuseries on Lifetime called The Prison Confessions of Gypsy Rose had been massively, massively hyped up. This was planned to be her very first tell-all documentary where people could hear her side of her story straight from her mouth versus the many other documentaries and series that she was not a part of. The series was scheduled for three nights in a row, two hours each night, and it was on Lifetime Network, and the premiere was on January 5th. So I'll be honest and say that Lifetime isn't always my favorite. I feel like they over-dramatize a lot of things and often seem to lean one way. However, this series felt way different. The first episode talked with her and both sides of her family, and apparently the lies surrounding her entire case and whole life had also gone way back before Gypsy was even born, back when Dee Dee had lied about her age to Gypsy's dad, Rod. But after Gypsy was born, those little lies, if you could even call them little lies, became big lies and became more and more common as time went on. Apparently, her mom's side of the family knew that things weren't exactly as Dee Dee was making them seem. For example, Dee Dee had been dead set on the fact that Gypsy could not walk and had to use a wheelchair. And one time, when they were at their extended family's house and Dee Dee went to the store and left Gypsy with family, all of the kids were jumping on the trampoline. And then Gypsy asked if she could go and if she could jump too, and they told her yes. 
so she had no problem jumping with all of the other kids. But then as soon as Dee Dee came back, she reverted back to being incapable of walking on her own, and she was in a wheelchair for the rest of the day. Another time, Dee Dee was in the hospital, and Gypsy's grandparents were taking care of her. By that point, Dee Dee was using a Mickey or a, a GJ tube through Gypsy's stomach to feed her, but while Dee Dee was in the hospital, Gypsy had no problems eating. She was enjoying french fries and everything else that they fed to her. Then, while her mom's side of the family was being interviewed, allegations of sexual abuse by Gypsy's grandfather, yes, you heard me correctly, allegations of sexual abuse by Gypsy's grandfather were brought up. Gypsy said that she was molested by her grandfather at a very young age. And when her grandfather was asked about these allegations in this docuseries, his response was honestly stomach-turning and shocking. Now, obviously, he denied the allegations, but then he took it a step further, and he said that when Gypsy was four years old, she tried touching him, and he would say no. Which, okay, I'm going to call bullshit on that from the jump, because tell me what four-year-old little girl is literally trying to inappropriately touch anyone, let alone a family member, so much so to where they have to say no to their advances. I mean, sure, maybe a child accidentally brushes against a private part or something like that, but on what planet does a four-year-old know anything enough about the human body, about sex, about any of that to where they would intentionally touch someone for sexual gratification or to make an advance at four years old. So the fact that he was saying this was truly revolting to me. It was as though he was trying to be like, no, 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 no. I never sexually abused Gypsy. As a matter of fact, when she was four years old, she tried coming on to me. She tried touching me and I had to reject her and say no. I mean, what the actual heck is happening here, right? Now, that was a huge bombshell and truthfully disgusted me. But many people have always wondered how Dee Dee got away with all of the medical things and the procedures and how all of these doctors were seemingly tricked into believing that she did have all of these diagnoses. Some doctors were interviewed in the docuseries, and they said that it was well known that Dee Dee doctor shopped and that she never told the full truth of things. And one of the doctors even had called CPS at one point, saying that he thought that Gypsy was not even Dee Dee's daughter and had actually been kidnapped. So Gypsy also talked about her struggles with addiction and shared that she had been hooked on prescription painkillers from the age of 16 after a surgery. She said that she stole her mom's Vicodin and that this addiction continued into her first couple of years in prison when she realized that she could get drugs in prison. But she says that she eventually got clean and that she's no longer using drugs. Now brace yourselves, guys, because here is another kicker. Gypsy was also very open about a previous attempt to kill her mom, which she said she was actually not trying to do, though. She said that in 2011, she tried to run away and that she had a bag packed and ready to go. After her mom found it, the two of them got into a very heated argument, and Gypsy ended up shooting her mom with a gun as many times as she could. All right, for all my podcast listeners out there who ever have a hard time sleeping, whether it's you have a tough time sleeping or if you have a tough time staying asleep, I know for me, anytime I wake up in the middle of the night, it's like I never can fall back asleep. I'm up for hours and it's just chaotic. 
I'm going to share with you my secret sauce. And it's not so secret because I have shared it before, but it's something I literally legit use every single night, and it is Beam Dream Sleep Tea. Now, let me tell you about this tea, guys, because it's only 15 calories, it has zero added sugar, and it tastes like hot chocolate, straight up. They have so many amazing flavors. I love the sea salt caramel because it tastes like hot chocolate. So for me, I drink it 30 minutes before I want to be asleep. It tastes like a nice little dessert. It's a perfect way to end my night. And then bam, I'm asleep within 30 minutes. I stay asleep. I don't wake up feeling groggy. I feel refreshed. I feel energized. I mean, I have tried Ambien. I've tried melatonin. I have tried valerian root. I've tried it all. Nothing ever worked for me. And I actually had some pretty gnarly side effects with all the other things. Beam is my go-to and I'm so thankful my husband introduced me to them. And today, my listeners get a very special discount on Beam's Dream Powder. They're science-backed healthy hot cocoa for sleep with no added sugar. Better sleep has never tasted better. The numbers also don't lie, guys, because in a clinical study, 93% of participants reported that Dream helped them get better sleep. For me, even my aura ring has showed that my sleep scores went from the 60s to now the 90s. So if you want to try Beam's best-selling dream powder, get up to 40% off for a limited time when you go to shopbeam.com slash Annie Elise and use code Annie Elise at checkout. That's shopbeambeam.com slash Annie Elise and use code Annie Elise for up to 40% off. At the time, she didn't know that it was just a BB gun, so her mom was not severely hurt. She said that she was relieved once she learned that it was just a BB gun because her intent was not to kill her mom, and she was shocked that she even pulled the trigger. But this begs the question. A lot of the sympathy and empathy and all of the feels have come from all of the torment and t- torture, quite frankly, that Gypsy was subjected to, saying that, you know, not that her mom had it coming, but you get what I mean. Like, they can they view Gypsy as the victim in all of this. But now we're hearing for the first time that there was another attempt, and that she didn't even know it was a BB gun. Before, we were hearing that her ex-boyfriend, who was the one who actually physically carried out the murder of her mother, that while she was a part of it and co-signed for it, that he physically did it. And so I think that's where a lot of the understanding also stems from with Gypsy and why the public, you know, aligns themselves on her side, so to say. But now that we're hearing this, it's like, is that true? Or is she more calculated than we think? And Gypsy Rose fans, don't come for me. I'm not saying I believe anything one way or another. I'm just simply asking the question here because it does warrant a question, to be quite honest. So what's interesting is that prior to this documentary, this was not something that she had ever shared with her dad or her stepmom. So when the producers then brought it up to her stepmom, Christy, she, that she simply responded, good for her. There was also a lot of talk about voodoo hexes that Dee Dee would threaten to put on Gypsy. At one point, after Gypsy had run away with a man that she met, her mom bribed her to come home and told her that they could keep seeing each other if she just came home. So Gypsy ended up going home with her mom, and after she got home, she was then chained to the bed with handcuffs and also with a dog leash, and she was chained like that for the following two weeks. The chain was connected to Dee Dee, so if Gypsy moved in the middle of the night or did anything, Dee Dee would feel it. As part of this punishment, Gypsy also had a voodoo hex put on her. She also said that her mom put photos of her and the man that she had run away with named Dan in a mason jar with a cow's tongue and also some of Gypsy's menstrual blood. I mean, what the fuck? Like, this is so, so, so bizarre. It's almost like Dee Dee's like a wackadoo. I don't even know what's going on here. So she said that her mom buried it in the backyard and then told her that you will never find love. 
So Gypsy said that this voodoo hex has continued to impact her throughout her life, including when her 2019 engagement to a man named Ken was called off. She truly felt like that's why the engagement was called off, because of this hex. The docuseries also went into her current relationship details with her husband, Ryan. Apparently, she met him after he sent her a letter in prison, and then they hit it off as pen pals. Eventually, that led to an engagement and then to the marriage. However, before getting married, Gypsy seemed to test every ounce of patience and love that he had for her, and especially was testing his loyalty to her. And it kind of seemed super manipulative, and the relationship also kind of seemed super toxic, all according to this docuseries. The docuseries overall felt really long and mostly filled with information that anyone who followed the case would already know, but then there were some parts like the above that felt pretty explosive. But all of that really paled in comparison to the first podcast episode that she did. On Monday, January 8th, Gypsy's first podcast episode was released. She did a sit-down with Nick Vial and his fiancée Natalie on the Vial files, and I don't know if I'm saying that right. I don't know if it's the Vial or Vial or whatever it is, but I think it's the Vial. Vial? Vial? Whatever. You get what I'm saying. Now, the first part was just Gypsy, and Ryan was not on the mic. During that first half, so much information was given, and she seemed way more open on the podcast than she was during the docuseries. In the beginning, she made it very clear that she did not commit the murder. Rather, she was just an accessory to it. She also shared that had it not been in Missouri, she would have only been charged with accessory to murder rather than murder itself. Like, it's something yeah. that I'm going to have to address yeah. because it's always in my comments. Like, why are we glorifying a murderer and this and that and the other? And, um, you know, I don't want to have to remind people every single time that I'm not the one that committed the act of the kill. So, you know... I'm a part of it. Right. But in the state of Missouri, they, there's no such thing as accessory to murder. So technically, they couldn't charge, you they couldn't charge me with accessory because that, that charge doesn't exist. Okay. So, I mean, had I been in another state, I would have been charged with accessory to commit murder. Oh, that makes sense. So, okay. Yeah. She talked about her time in prison and some of the things that she had learned, such as while she was there, she did a class called Impact of Crime on Victims. The class was a 12-week class all about taking accountability. She explained that during the class, she realized that she had done things and made choices leading up to the murder that were not good, but that she had never gotten in trouble for those choices. She claimed that the class taught her a lot, and she even ended up going back to teach the class. She also shared that she has not seen any of the documentaries or movies about her, and that right now she has no plans to do so. She felt like she lived it, so there was really no need to relive it, which I think makes total sense. She did say that her stepmom gave her the rundown of the series The Act with Joey King, where it's all depicted on there, and that Gypsy believes that there are a lot of inconsistencies between the series and what actually happened, but she didn't seem too upset about it because she believes that now is her chance to really tell the story. She also spent time talking about both her mental health struggles and her mom's mental health struggles. She shared that her mom was diagnosed with bipolar and schizophrenia and that she wishes that she would have told people things about that, like mommy hears voices or things like that, so that maybe somebody could have stepped in and realized something was wrong and helped. Now, as far as working through her own mental health struggles, she is a huge advocate for therapy. She talked about some of her struggles with PTSD, and she said that she has two reoccurring nightmares after everything. The first one, her therapist has said, has to do with the guilt that she feels for not going to anybody else for help. 
In that nightmare, she repeatedly tries calling her dad, but for many reasons, she can't reach him. In the second nightmare, she is back in her old house, and she relives the murder over and over and over. During the second part of the episode, her husband Ryan joins in. They spent the first part of his segment talking about how great it has been to be together and sharing about how great their relationship is. They made a deal with each other that they will be open and honest about everything no matter what, and it kind of seemed a little bit opposite of what the end of the Lifetime docuseries showed in terms of the status of their relationship, but I guess we can only hope that for their sake, things truly are going well. You guys have already been through a lot. Uh, Gypsy, you in the documentary, again, we're, you know, I'm really a just, I love your openness. Like Thanks. it's uh, for <laughs> someone you. who's been criticized for being deceitful and a liar. I'm really inspired by what seems to me a, a genuine effort to try to get it right. Mm -hmm. And you talked a little bit about, you know, lying to your stepmother. Mm -hmm. You've talked about lying to Ryan, mm -hmm. uh, about Ken. Mm -hmm. How have you guys continued to work through the struggles that you have had and how has Ryan continued to be supportive throughout that struggle? Um, you know, I think it's all about communication. You know, my dad, one of the first things he said when I got engaged was, you need to have good communication or else everything's going to fall apart. Mm -hmm. So our communication skills are like on point. We're very open and honest with each other, um, even brutally honest. So if it's something that we don't want to hear, we're going to hear it anyway, because <laughs> that's right. that honesty. Yeah. Absolutely. How about you, Ryan? How, how's this been for you? Me and Gypsy decided long ago when we got together, you know, we just wanted to be open and honest with each other. Like she said, even if it hurts my feelings or vice versa, you know, we wanted it to be a transparent relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, we want, we want this to work, you know, and it's one of those where, you know, I have that unconditional love for her and she does too. Like she has said in the past that I've, I love the good and the bad Gypsy. I don't ban, you know, cause in past relationships, people have glamorized her and you know have this perception of her of, you know of that little girl and whatever but i i just love the person gypsy good mm -hmm. and bad so it's one of those where it's it's great both of them are actively in individual therapy and they are open to doing couples therapy together at some point too they also talked about being forced to leave Kansas City earlier than they had planned. See, after Gypsy got out of prison, they were planning to spend some time in Kansas City, go to a Chiefs game, and enjoy some of the local holiday festivities and some other fun things. But word had gotten out that Gypsy was hoping to meet Taylor Swift at the Chiefs game, on New Year's Eve to be specific. Now, there has never been anything from Taylor's camp even acknowledging this request in any way, but Gypsy, who has two parole officers, one in Missouri and one in Louisiana, had problem with this. The Louisiana one approved her Kansas City plans, but while they were there, the Missouri parole officer told her that she needed to leave the state right away and go back to Louisiana. On the podcast, she shared that they had gotten tickets to the Chiefs game way before Taylor Swift had even started dating Travis Kelsey, so they were in no way going just to see Taylor. Although Ryan believes that Taylor being there is possibly why they were told to leave the state, which I don't think it's that serious. I don't think they would care that much. I don't think they would see Gypsy as a threat. I don't know. I don't think so, but maybe. So even though she was forced to go back to Louisiana, her parole restrictions really aren't that strict in and of itself. They include not having any contact with her ex, Nick, who is the one who physically killed her mom, Dee Dee. She must also attend therapy, no alcohol, no drugs, and she has to have permission if she wants to leave the state of Louisiana. 
They also talked about their future plans, which include having a real ceremony as close to their anniversary as possible, and then having children one day. Gypsy plans to not overprotect her children, and she wants to parent like her stepmom did. Ryan doesn't ever want to lie to their kids either, but the main fear that Gypsy has with parenting is her kids finding out about stuff online, but she said that she plans to be open with them about what happened with her mom. Now, since Gypsy's release from prison, a lot of people have felt like this is her chance, her newfound freedom at last, and that people should be happy for her because of all of the abuse that she went through. Which, let me just say, I 100% stand with all victims of abuse. Point blank, plain and simple. I think that what she went through is absolutely appalling and inhumane. She was subjected to such cruelty and torture and really had all dignity of just being a traditional regular human stripped away from her, no less at the hands of her own mother. Parents are supposed to be looking after you, loving you unconditionally. You're supposed to trust them. You're supposed to think that they have your best interest at heart. So what she went through is absolutely unacceptable and unimaginable, to be quite honest. However, on the other side of the coin, there are a lot of people who feel like Gypsy might be getting off a little easy for her role in her mom's murder and that she was actually the mastermind and the one who convinced her former boyfriend, who has autism, and they think that she may have taken advantage of him when she got him to murder her mom. Which Gypsy herself testified that she convinced him to do that, and she testified to this in court. I got arrested, and then my attorney visited me, and then all of a sudden he's got a stack of paperwork on his desk talking about the Blanchard fraud scheme and People were saying that my mother was a bad mom and things like that. And for me, I'm like, I was in a state of shock. So I was processing it all, but I felt a sense of guilt because I'm like, I'm hearing these words like your mother was a whatever. Um, she deserved it. And I'm like, no, she didn't. I think the one thing that people think is that I hated my mom. And I'm like, no, I loved my mom. I just wanted out of that situation. I wanted out of that home. Yeah. And I think that's something that people forget or don't know. And what I learned through the documentary is you tried to run away. I did. Yes. Several times. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The first time was with a guy, a much older guy. Um, and, you know, I grew up on Disney princess movies. And so I thought like the only escape I had was with a guy. <laughs> so that was only my form of reference for anything. Um, so and that didn't pan out. Um, he didn't even have a vehicle. So. I was leaning on different people, just not the right people. Yeah. Uh, you started this conversation, you were referring to other interviews and um, that one interviewer just calling you a murderer. Yes. Do you feel that way about yourself or do you feel more as if that you're a survivor? Um, I don't, I don't associate myself as a murderer because if you think about it, yes, I had a part to play in it. I requested, I asked you Nick for help. And how that conversation started was, you know, he was saying that he would protect me from anyone. I said, anyone. He said, yes. I said, even my mother. He said, yes. And then the, the plan kind of formed from there. But he's the one that did the actual kill, not me. I can't kill anyone. That's why he's in trouble to begin with, because he's the one that did it. So when they say I'm a murderer, I don't identify as that. I'm, I'm, I'm an accessory. Absolutely. I'll take, uh, yes, I did that. I am an accessory to murder. However, that doesn't define me. I did, I did my sentence. I did my, my part, you know, I did what the judge wanted me to do. 
now that that's over, let me live my life. Let me re, re reinvent myself. Absolutely. Give me a chance. Yeah. Because before I didn't even have that chance to begin with. So a lot of people think that maybe Gypsy is more dangerous than a lot of people want to believe and that it's kind of screwed up that the boyfriend is in prison for the rest of his life without the chance of parole. And here Gypsy is going on this national media tour, amassing millions of followers, having this media frenzy around her and really being kind of idolized and put on a pedestal for everything that she did and went through. There are also a lot of people who think it's silly that she's getting so much attention in the first place and that she's letting this go to her head. Now, I'm not saying I lean one way or another, but when we did hear that there was a previous attempt on Dee Dee's life, that did ring enough to give me pause. And again, gypsy fans don't come for me, but I am just saying it warrants the question. Is there more calculation than we know of and what really did go on that we don't know of i don't know there's something that not i don't want to say isn't sitting right with me because again there's no excuse for murder certainly not but i do understand it if that makes sense i don't think that the abuse and the torture that she was subjected to is any excuse to murder her mother but i do understand what would lead her to that But then hearing that there was a previous attempt, it does make me wonder, was there a little bit of calculation there? She did admit to convincing her ex-boyfriend to commit these acts, and he is on the spectrum, and he's now in prison without the possibility of parole for the rest of his life. I don't know. I just, again, don't come for me. I just think it warrants a question and potentially a discussion. Personally, though, I do wish her the best. I really do. What she went through is just heartbreaking and unimaginable. And Gypsy, I do want to say this too. If you ever do happen to listen to this, please stay safe out there and be careful online because it really doesn't take much at all for the internet to turn on just about anyone at the drop of a dime and go full bore asshole. So please just make sure you're taking care of your well-being, your health, your mental health, all of the things. And I can just only hope that one day, Gypsy is given all of the opportunities that were stripped away from her as a child and that she's able to give her future children the childhood that she never had, that was literally ripped away at the hands of her own mother. It's, again, just so, so, so incredibly sad to think about. Now, I definitely want to know what you guys think about this case. So please let me know in the review section on Apple or in the comment section over on Spotify. Also, if you want me to do a deep dive on this case, let me know. I haven't done one because I feel like it has just been covered to death, no pun intended, but I honestly feel like there has been so much coverage about her case that everybody knows the ins and outs of it. But let me know if you want me to do a deep dive because I'm a podcaster of the people and I will give you what you want. I always want to deliver the content that you guys are looking for. So if it's a deep dive that you want, it is a deep dive that you will get. Just let me know because again, I I like to consider myself a podcaster of the people. No, I'm just kidding. I'm getting a little delirious, guys. Sorry. I'm going off now. I'm going off on the rail. I'm going off the rails. I'm flying off the handle. Um, Okay. All right. So that's it for the updates in today's cases. I will continue to keep you guys updated. If you're not following the podcast yet, make sure you do so. It'll take two seconds. And if you are so inclined, please leave a quick rating and a review. It helps the algorithm. I would greatly appreciate it. Don't forget to let me know what you think about the cover art. And I'm going to be back with you on the mic very soon with an all new deep dive on a case bright and early Monday morning. So don't miss it. I think we actually are releasing it at midnight Pacific time because it's 
a banger of a case, but you won't want to miss it. So make sure you don't. <laughs> um, all right, that's it for today. Until the next one, I am signing off. Stay safe, stay smart, don't kill anybody, be nice. All right, thanks guys, bye.